Hey there, this is Larry, and I'm here with Armin. You're about to listen to a great episode. But before you do, we want to let you know that we're now podcasting over at the Bold Idea Podcast. That's right, and we're not adding any new episodes to Reinventure Me, but we think you're really going to like what we're doing on the Bold Idea Podcast. We're interviewing some great guests and packing ideas and inspiration to help you put your faith to work to bring your idea to life. So when you're done with this episode, go check it out at boldideapodcast.com. Episode 87 of the Reinventure Me Podcast. Stuff happens. It may seem that you're always reacting to the squeaky wheels in your life. In this episode, we're going to talk about how to rise above any circumstance. Thanks for joining us. Find your next great beginning. Welcome to the Reinventure Me Podcast with your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi. Hello and welcome to episode 87 of the Reinventure Me podcast. This is a podcast for what's next in life. And what's next is for me to introduce myself. I'm Larry Gates and... I'm Armin Asadi. Armin Asadi is next to me. Hey, Armin, how are you? Good. How are you doing, Larry? Good, good. Well, we're looking forward to this show here because this is something I've been germinating on for quite a while. So I'm kind of looking forward to it. We're going to see how it turns out, though, because some of this is going to be a little bit ad hoc as we go. But listen, we're here to help you discover new ways to reinvent your life, your opportunities, adventures God called you into. This is the Reinventure Me show, and uh, I want to make an announcement about my Strategic Margin Workshop coming up on November 6th. And this is the opportunity to really take, actually, some of the stuff that we're going to be talking about today, Armin, really comes out of the Strategic Margin Workshop and actually some of the material that I put into the Strategic Margin Workshop, but I think we're going to take a little bit of a different tack today. But okay. really looking forward to this workshop coming up on the 6th of November. If you're in the Minneapolis area, check it out at strategicmargin.com. Use the promo code REINVENTURE to save 100 bucks off your fee and hope you can make it. Hmm. You know, last week we talked about toxic people. And I walked into Caribou Coffee, you know, the one by my office, yeah. I mean, and one of the baristas said, hey, I listened to your podcast on toxic people. I'm like, really? wow, yeah, that's pretty cool, right? I didn't even, yeah, I didn't even know she knew I had a podcast. That's so that's, awesome. It's kind of fun. Go figure. She especially liked the Bob Marley quote. Because really? she said, not everybody in my life has to be that important that what mm. they say to me will get me down. Hmm. And that's really, really a keen, keen insight. Wow. And I want to give a shout out to my niece, Neela. You know, I mentioned my niece in that episode yeah, and did. how she dealt with some of the toxic people in her life, but she called in and really brought up a good point. And I think it's worth listening to how she says it because you can tell yeah. how important it was for her to make a realization. And I think it's something we really didn't talk about in the episode. Let me play this and let's, let's chat about that. All right. After listening to your episode, it really made me feel like the decisions that I've made in regards to removing the toxic people were the right decision because I felt so guilty, which probably doesn't make sense, does it? But I have felt guilty, almost like I'm the bad guy for removing the toxic people from my life. But after listening to your episode, I'm like, no, this was the right thing. And I actually feel a little bit more liberated. So thank you for that. I appreciate that. Hmm. Huh. She brings up a really good point because oftentimes it's the toxic people that will really make you feel bad, not only when you're with them, but especially when you decide, right. you know what, you're not that important in my life and I do not need to always be dealing with that toxicity. Hmm. 
And sometimes if they've been people that you've uh, known for some time, that can, yeah. there can be a lot of guilt around that. Oh. And so I think she really brought up a good point. Yeah. And th- those types of people are really good at making sure you feel guilty about it too. <laughs> yeah. push that right. pain right on you. Yeah. Well, because they lost somebody they can do that to. <laughs> right. Yeah, they lost the person that they vent to and blame on. Yeah, all the bad things. Well, we need to move on from that episode because I know we could probably do, <laughs> we could probably go it. even more on that. You know, it's funny though, really, just to belabor that point just for a second. How many people have really said something about? Oh man, I've got the toxic people. I mean, that really hits home. Yeah, everybody yeah. does. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, we've got to move above that, and in yeah. fact, this is kind of a related episode. And we're going to talk about how to rise above any circumstance in your life. And that's a critical skill. You are mean, my friend, just dug out from your Persian expertise archives, you know, the quote from Anani. Yeah, Anani, our favorite guy. (laughs) Mr. Anonymous. Alien or whatever. Well, by Anani, we mean anonymous. So we don't know who said this, but we thought it was an awesome quote. He says... When it rains, most birds head for shelter. The eagle is the only bird that, in order to avoid the rain, starts flying above the cloud. Boom. That's pretty crazy. I love that. I, I didn't research that to see if it's true no. or not, but that's awesome. Well, I don't either. Make, listen, <laughs> even if it isn't true, let's go with it. It makes as a, a good piece point. Of, as a piece of inspiration, right? Because we'd all rather be eagles than turkeys. That's right. <laughs> so that I love because... It really talks about the eagle setting a new frame of reference. Yeah. And instead of staying below the clouds and getting rained on all the time, I have the power, the eagle is saying in this quote, yeah, yeah. to rise above that. Yeah. And that's really, really what we are, are trying to talk well, about. Well, what it makes me think of is that I've been this person, I know a lot of people that are this person, that when circumstances don't go their way and life becomes hard, they go recluse. Yes. They go hide in their corners, yep. hide under their covers, and they don't want to come out. But they're And they're those, angry at the world. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And but then there's those people where circumstances happen, but rather than going recluse, they attack life head first and they say, I'm they gonna come up. over this. Yep. They rise up. Yeah. Right. Exactly. That's, and that's what part of what we want to talk about today yeah. because the dynamics of that are fairly complex. And we can get caught in the smallest of circumstances, and our reaction to those circumstances can make it matters worse without us even knowing about it. Right. So the more we can recognize that, the better. And this really ties to this whole idea of reinventing ourselves and really thinking about where we want to go in the future, because any new path you try to go down, you're going to have some kind of resistance to it. Anything that you want to create for your life, you need to think differently about how you do that so that you're not just responding to circumstances. And that's uh, circumstances are often a driver for change in our lives. We often yeah. will do that because of some situation that's arisen. And it really then is skirting the deeper and richer question is, what do you want to become? What do you want to create? What is it that's inside of you that needs to come out? Yeah. Which is a lot different than how do you problem solve the situation that you might find yourself in? How do you get out of the pain that you might be in? Yeah. Thinking about what you want to create is not the same as thinking about how you get out of the pain that you might be currently experiencing. Yeah, I think the best way one of my mentors ever approached it to me was he looked at me in my eyes and he says, mean, you have two options. And this is obviously a bad circumstance in my life. He says, you can become bitter or you can become better. Those are your only <laughs> yeah. two options. Which one do you want to yeah. be? Yeah. It's like, can I be bitter first and then get better? Because <laughs> I'm really bitter right now. <laughs> you know, to be honest, I've heard that you can be bitter or better yeah. so many times that it becomes one of those little 
cliche band-aid things yeah. that you almost just want to slap the person upside the head I and go did. I, I, I really did i wanted know, to kind it, of choke my mentor I yeah like, i think when you get into those experiences when somebody says something that is just like painfully obvious but you don't know how to get there yeah i give you permission to choke them i mean <laughs> when they when they do those kind of band-aid things you know well i was listening to the song from Billy Joel the other day. My life, I think, is a song. And in it, there's a phrase that says, I'm not the victim of circumstance. Now, some of you who know Billy Joel in this song, I've already started the song playing in your head, and you're going to say, thank you very much. I can't get it out of my head now. <laughs> and in fact, that's what happened to me. I had to go listen to the song again. But you know, I think that's kind of what we're trying to talk about is this idea of empowerment and to be able to proclaim, I'm not a victim of circumstance. Right. And M. Scott Peck, who wrote a very classic book called The Road Less Traveled starts the book with life is difficult. And I mean, that is that is so patently obvious, but sometimes we just forget about it and we expect that life should always be easy. And so when circumstances happen, we don't exactly know how to respond. Yeah. And so you don't know how to respond, which of course then leaves you just always reacting to whatever is going on. Right. So what are some symptoms of being a victim of circumstance? Yeah, so if we're not Billy Joel here yeah. and we're, we are a victim of circumstance. Well, you described one earlier when you mentioned somebody that is kind of just rolling up in a ball and checking out and doing all that. That's yeah. certainly if a chronic case of it. There are sometimes, though, some people, myself, I've had this experience many times in my life where there's just this low-grade anxiety slash anger about the world. You know, mm -hmm. things are not going my way. And I just have this kind of underlying anger and this expectation even that things will never go my way, that things are always going to be hard. As M. Scott Peck said, life is difficult. And it's always going to be difficult. Like there isn't going to yeah. be anything that I can triumph over. And it's this sense in many ways of feeling trapped. And I've talked to a lot of people who felt like they have no choices, that they're sensing a loss. They're perhaps even experiencing high anxiety, trying to figure out what they can make work, switching from one thing to the other to the other. And they define their purpose not by what they are meant to create or do, but mm. by what is successful, what can work. Mm. And when they find that what works, then they don't want to disturb it because that's finally settling them around something that's given them trouble. And usually I find that when you're a victim of circumstance, envy is usually right there on your doorstep. Hmm. People that are envious are typically people who feel like they can't accomplish something that somebody else has accomplished because of some circumstance. There's somebody holding them back. There's some situation holding them back. They say, oh, they only got there because of X, Y. So they start making excuses for other people's success mm -hmm. that are only intended to diminish them. And they believe that in their circumstance that they're in, that other person wouldn't have been able to be successful. Mm. So they justify their, their circumstances. They justify their being unsuccessful mm. <laughs> based on how they view that. Now, how do I know all this, you might ask? Yeah, I mean... I, I would definitely ask that. So, yeah. I mean, what what do you think that is? What is the under? How do I issue? know all that? Yeah. I mean, how do I know that that's all going on? Yeah. Because I've experienced every 
drop of what I just really? said. Oh yeah, myself. I'm just oh, for sure. Obviously, we all have. So, but, but <laughs> do you have a specific story? I actually want to hear this. Well, I don't. Uh, there have been uh, many times over the course of my career where, when I have felt like I just needed to make an income, yeah, I would do whatever I thought might be the fastest path to the income. I mean, all ethical and all the rest, but still right. creating a lot of anxiety around that. Yeah, as opposed to thinking about what is the very best that I might do that could bring that out of me. Hmm. And that's a classic case of responding to a circumstance, the need for an income yeah, or, or not having enough an income and the need to figure out how I'm going to resolve that. The underlying issue here, I mean, is that we perceive a loss of control, that we don't have any choices. And that's the key of being a victim of circumstances, you feel like you don't have a choice, yeah. that you're stuck. That's the sense of feeling trapped. But it's when, almost something that you convince yourself of, which is a lie. It very much is a lie. There are always choices. And it is something you have convinced yourself of, but it isn't a conscious convincing. It's usually subconscious. Hmm. It's usually you've gotten there perhaps because you've experienced a, a repeated failure or perhaps like on the toxic episode, you've got destructive people in your life yeah. reminding you that you'll never be successful. They don't give you the encouragement that would be helpful to you. And that contributes to it. Mm-hmm. Now, even in the, in that situation, that's still toxic people in your life is still just a circumstance and you yeah. can rise above that. You can make the choices like Neela made to say, you know what? I don't need to continue in that relationship. So whenever we feel that our choices are being hijacked by a situation or by others, we're prone to become the victim of circumstance. That's the key. When you feel like you're a victim of circumstance, you feel like circumstances are driving you when you feel the loss of choice. But there's always choices. Which is funny because you always think that the circumstance you're in, it's somehow bad enough and big enough that you are powerless, that you can't find a way out, so you might as well give up rather than fight through it. Where reality of most situations is, you're not powerless and there's always a way out and you can problem solve it, but you have to actually step out of your emotion to start thinking about how to get out of it or problem solve it, right? Mm-hmm. So I was just watching, was that movie we were just talking about? Oh, the, the Martian. Yeah. I think you described it a lot better than I do, but I think that was a really good example of what you're about to get into. Yeah. So if you haven't seen the movie, The Martian, you should probably go see this. Matt Damon, and this isn't a commercial for The Martian, but I, I actually think it illustrates our point really well. <laughs> Matt Damon is left on Mars when the crew has to evacuate because of a storm. They leave very quickly they think that Matt Damon's character has died on the planet. He got speared by the, the something that uh, came at him in this big windstorm. I guess we should and, have given a spoiler alert. Yeah, we did. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> in spoiler. any case, well, you you kind of know he's left he's left for dead anyway, you know? So, so in any case, he's alone there. In fact, this whole story is probably a spoiler alert, (laughs) but he's left alone and it's your classic man versus nature. You know, he's left behind. It's the Robinson Crusoe thing. How are you going to deal with it? And instead of succumbing to the circumstances on the planet, he says, you know, I'm not going to die up here. Right. He chooses, you know, you could kind of see how he was working that, that first sense of forlornness that he's alone and he's not able to do much about it and he knows he's going to run out of food and he's going to eventually die and it's going to take four years before anybody can rescue him and were the circumstances miserable absolutely right you're stuck on mars it's not like (laughs) a resort (laughs) no right was it hopeless you know it was nearly hopeless i mean if i were the one stuck up there count on it i'd be hopeless but he didn't let his circumstances define him you know at one point he says i'm going to science the S word out of this, you know, (laughs) (laughs) 
And it, it was really kind of cool to see how he just relentlessly approached it. And it had that notion, you know, if he was going to die, it was at least going to be with his boots on, you know, right. to, to coin the term from the secondhand lions. But great stories that we enjoy are mm-hmm. always stories of triumph over our circumstances or our personal limitations, you know. But when we're a victim of circumstance, we always react to the situation rather than creating a new situation. Let me give some illustrations of this. For instance, I think I mentioned this, you know, a time in my life when I, I, I didn't have enough money. I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing. So here's the typical scenario I would engage in as a as a kind of new consultant trying to figure out how to make a living. <laughs> 39 cents an hour at the time. Yeah, well, that was, you know, early on, yeah. I think I was still pretty much in the, how do I create this thing at that stage? I didn't worry too much about money because, you know, at least I had something to start with. But then when it got down to, it's really relying on me being able to do something. My underlying emotion, the first thing that I recognized, the first symptom really of being a victim of circumstance where there was no business coming in, was my first underlying emotion was a sense of panic, hmm. right? And yeah. that's when I'm like, I remember even telling Anna, I, I got to start making calls. You know, I got to dial in for dollars kind of thing. You know, <laughs> I'm smiling and dialing. It's just how many calls can I make? And get, you know, I'm just going out and, it, and my... Un- driver there is to get business yeah get money and i get my butt in my chair and i start doing it you know as that fortune cookie that i have that says sell rather than be poor you know and i was motivated and i was doing stuff yeah and then business starts coming in because that's positive behavior to generate a result that i want which is you know to have business so business starts coming in all of a sudden i'm relaxed about it see the circumstance has gone away Hmm. And so it relaxes me, which ends up doing what? It means that I stop calling, oh, <laughs> I stop selling, I see, yeah. which and then, of course, what? I run out of business again. The panic sets in, and it's just this continual cycle hmm. because I'm responding to circumstances. Hmm. And it can be true at home, too. It can be, that's just a one-person example. It can be in a multi-person example, right, at home. Yeah. So let me give you a funny example. Okay. Uh, maybe hypothetical here for some of us. Maybe for some, it isn't <laughs> quite so hypothetical. But suppose you want your spouse to do something, and it could be something fairly innocuous, like put the toilet seat down. Yeah. Okay. How hard is that to ask that you put the toilet seat down? Now, your frustration might be that underlying emotion. You know, they always leave the toilet seat up, they never put it down. And how do you deal with that? Well, maybe you manipulate in some way. You know, you might give them the silent treatment or you might pout or you might, you know, because they're never responding to what you're wanting them to do. Yeah. Right. They end up reacting because what you end up doing is you create now a new circumstance, which is your behavior, that causes them to have to react because now they are responding to your situation, right? So what you've done is you've created a a system now where now it's it's point-counterpoint. Now, they can react by complying or they can react by also rebelling, right? So maybe – very I true. go around and uh, maybe I'm the offending party here. I go around <laughs> and I, I lift the toilet seats up and all the toilets in the house just to make a point. You know, it could be worse. <laughs> I'm going to Could win. be worse. We're only talking about one here and it could be all of them, you know. Or I could leave the cupboards open or whatever. Or I could do something and point out something that they do that annoys me. That's more common. You know, as soon as yeah. my spouse, Anna, tells me about something that I might do that annoys her, I'm on the lookout then for something that she does that might annoy me. There's this this sense Balancing that you want to, ah, you know, and it's just a way of responding to circumstance. Right. That's a subtle thing, a piece of what I'm talking about. It's not rising above it. It's it's dealing. 
All right, so Larry, let, let me ask you this. So how do we get out of this? I'm understanding how we got in, but how do we get out? Yeah, that's a good question, and that's really the point of this show. And really, the key is reframing. Is that reframing thought process or? Yeah, there's the reframing of the thought processes and what you do, your behavior. Oh, okay. But a lot of it is really just, you know, you have to start with what you think about. First is you have to affirm the existence of choices because the one thing that you don't feel when you feel the victim of circumstances that you actually have any choice, you know, for instance, in the, in the toilet seat analogy, I don't have any choice. If I don't put the toilet seat down, she's not going to not be upset. You see what I'm saying? I, I feel like there's only one way to win there. Hmm. Right. And the next thing is to affirm the volition of another party. So in that case, there's Anna. I've I got to say, I've got choices. She has choices. And I have to recognize that she can behave in a certain way and I can behave in a certain way. And that's often the problem in marriage is that we don't try to find something that is a good win for both people, recognizing that both people get to choose. And usually most conflict is over. I want to choose or I have to allow you to choose as opposed to both of you saying, how can we level this up so that both of us have a choice in this and we're both choosing a positive common goal. And that kind of brings us into the third thing, which is making a creative rather than a reactive choice. Hmm. And so a creative choice, let's give an example of that. So a creative choice back in that spouse example, right? Yeah. It might be, you know, here's the thing, the higher goal for us to think about is how we create harmony in this relationship. Hmm. And how we can do things that make it easier for the other party. When you have that conversation and you set that as a goal, it really changes what you talk about Hmm. and what you end up adopting. So reframing is really, really important. And one of the key, key things that I learned a long time ago that's really helpful to rise above a circumstance is to distinguish between a goal and a desire. I don't know if we talked about this in one of our earlier episodes. We may have, but Christian psychologist Larry Crabb had mentioned that there's a difference between a goal and a desire. A goal is a thing that you can actually take control of, and a desire is something that is outside of your control. Hmm. And the problem is is that we usually get angry and we usually feel frustrated about our circumstances when we've made something that is only a desire, should only be a desire because we can't control it, but we've made it a goal. Hmm. And we've said, hey, I need that to be the most important thing for me. So I need that to happen. Right. And I can't control it. And that's what basically drives our anger. And that's what drives our anger. Yeah. Drives our film, the negative. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, one of the signals for me when I get angry is to start asking myself, okay, what was I trying to control that I had no control over? Oh, that's interesting. Because anger is usually a sign of losing control on something you don't have control over. Hmm. You think about it. Most of the times you're angry, it's because something happened. You know, the car breaks down on your way to an important appointment. Yeah. You get angry, right? Well, you know, you don't have control over whether the car keeps running Yeah. or whether you get a flat tire. And and so the things that you have control over are things that are goals. The things that you don't, they're desires. Hmm. And in the scheme of desires, you have to have cooperative choice. In the scheme of goals, you have your own choice. Yeah. And that's the difference in terms of rising, rising above that. You know, I mean, most of this stuff is really out of Robert Fritz's book, The Path of Least Resistance. And he talks about the tension that you should create, which is a positive tension. And that is, instead of reacting to circumstances, finding the thing that you want to create, hmm. and then clearly identifying where you are relative to that thing that you want to create. So in fact, if I want to create harmony in my relationship with my spouse... You know, what's the reality of that? Are we largely harmonious? 
how far do we need to get to get there? Right. And when you understand where you're at and you look at it where reality is, this is what's happening, or I don't have enough money in the bank account, my desire is to have a business that generates X amount of income or whatever, then you're able to take the steps toward it. And you're not reacting always to circumstance. And that difference between where you are today and what you're looking for is a positive motivator. So in fact, back to the example from the Martian, right? He had a stated goal. I don't want to die on this planet. I mean, that's kind of a desire. Yeah, it's a good goal. (laughs) As much as he can control it, right? But he knew what he wanted to create. He wanted to create a path to get off the planet. That was the thing that propelled him every day to get up and think about a solution and just engineer the heck out of all the problems that he had (laughs) in his world. And it's the thing that kept motivating him. And it's a great example of what we're talking about. So that's really the difference here for us in doing this is to look at what is the new choice that we want to create. Okay. And when a circumstance hits us and when we feel like we're frustrated by where we're at or, you know, things never seem to go my way or all the circumstances seem to be piling against us, how do we rise above them? We have to, first of all, affirm that we have choices to make in it. That's really hard for, I'll say for me, it's really hard for me to think realize I have choices because I get so overwhelmed by negative emotions. It's almost hard to think logically. Yeah, I think one of my biggest challenges is stepping outside of my emotion to be able to even process in that way. Yeah. And that's why that's a beautiful example here, because the comment that your mentor gave you, Hey, I mean, you can either get better or bitter, right? Didn't help you go from your emotional state of bitterness yeah. to what does it take for you to choose a path that gets you to better? Yeah. Because what he's describing is results. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's saying the result you can choose is bitterness or the result you can choose is betterness. Mm-hmm. Right. And that doesn't say, well, how do you move from one to the next? Right. You know, <laughs> you just say, you want to get better. I mean, yeah. who wouldn't want to be better? Right. Right. So <laughs> when somebody says that, you're going, well, I don't know. There's some people that like to wallow in their bitterness. I, I will give you that. Yeah. Which is, <laughs> sometimes which, that's easier. Yeah, it is, which is, I think you just get comfortable with the negativity sometimes, and it's almost easier to stay there than to actually make improvement. It's true. So, But yeah, I think what you're doing is something I wish I had in that moment, because it's, it's giving me a journey to better, where before it was just, you have two options. You know, red pill or blue pill, which one do you choose? And now you're giving me a journey into how to be better. And I like that a lot more because that it's not just saying here, these are your only two choices and you can't get out of this any other way. It's either an emotional state or it's an outcome. And now you're giving me a way to the outcome. You know, in that book, Path of Least Resistance, Robert Fritz kind of has this visual. He says, it's kind of like you're a rat in a maze mm-hmm. and the walls are your circumstances. I can only go this way because of this. You know, I only have limited choices. I don't know which way I'm going. Yeah. And what he says is when you start getting out of asking yourself the question, how do I overcome this circumstance? When you stop asking the, how do I overcome the circumstance to what is it that I want to create? It's like lifting yourself above the maze Mm. and then you can see where it goes and how you can get there. Mm. And when we're in the maze, all we see are the limits Right. And when you, when you ask yourself, what do I want to create? It is a reframing exercise and it's, it's not an easy thing to do. It's not something that comes naturally because we are so conditioned to just responding to stuff as it comes. 
this might be a weird question to ask, but one of the things I think about around this topic is you've read Simon Sinek's book. Yep. Start with why? Start with the why. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I've been processing is that a lot of times when you get into something and you don't really know why you're doing it other than like what you were talking about earlier, right? Mm -hmm. You're you're pursuing the money or right. looking for a paycheck, but that why isn't really a great driver. So when you hit a big wall, it's hard for you to think of the how to get out of it because the only reason you were in it in the first place was money, mm -hmm. which isn't a greatest motivator. But I've been processing a lot is sometimes I do things for things like money, but the why is so weak that when I hit a circumstance, I don't really have motivation to get around it. Mm. So for you, and as, as you've been processing this with several people that are going through the strategic margin uh, process, how important is the why for people as they're you know, making decisions, getting into businesses, ministries, or whatever, where they're hitting these whatever these circumstances are that are coming against them that's making them feel like they have to stop. How often or how important do you see this why behind what they're doing being the thing that can help them get over their circumstances? Yeah, the why is really critically important because oftentimes your answer to that question might be what's keeping you in that circumstance. I mean, you why you're in the circumstance, why you allow certain things to keep you down is an important question. The approach Robert Frist proposes is to start asking about what you want to create and the why will come out of that. Oh, okay. And that you, once you start to say, this is what I really want, then you say, why do I want that? Hmm. As opposed to why am I here? What am I here to do? That that's, a, I, mean, I think in some ways it's almost the same thing. It's just looking at it from a different angle, but it's important to ask that question for this purpose alone, it's transcendent. Hmm. And what you come to and what I come to when we're locked into responding to circumstances, we can't see the transcendent. Hmm. We can't see how to rise above it. And that's oftentimes why we need mentors. It's oftentimes why right. we need other people to give us a different lens. Yeah. And we stay stuck in our negativity. We stay stuck in our thing. And we don't know that there are other choices out there. Yeah. In some ways, we can't help it because we're kind of in the maze. We are kind of the rat in the maze. And it's really hard to get that other perspective. So getting around people who can maybe see a different perspective is good as well. Hmm, I love that. I'm scared to ask this part as always. I want to apply this and I do want to make it practical, but some of our challenges are sometimes a little crazy. But <laughs> I is, think they might be. Is, is there, this one might not be any different. Is, is there, there's at least a practical way to apply this. Is there a good well, challenge? Well, very, very practical. So the next time you feel like you're a victim of circumstance or you're angry, yeah, ask yourself, what was it that you were trying to control? Mm. So sometimes just knowing what choice you were trying to make that isn't an appropriate choice and then figuring out what are choices that you could make, just knowing that you're empowered to do it, yeah, that can make all the difference. I like that. That's a, that's a good question behind the emotion because more often I ask, what am I really mad about, which isn't really that great of a question. I like this a lot better. And it's yeah. easy to do. It also reminds you that you are a volitional being. You have choices. Mm. And that's the thing that we forget when we feel like we're boxed in. Right. Wow. I love that. Well, this is all the time we have. So if you enjoyed this show, please make sure to check it out. Reinventure.me backslash 87. And to make it easy, if you want to just keep getting these episodes as we make them, just subscribe to our email list at 
reinvention.me. You can find us on all the social media feeds from Twitter to Facebook to LinkedIn and Google+. And if you would do us a favor, please leave us a review of what you think about our show on iTunes or Stitcher. Tell your friends about us. And most importantly, call us 612-314-5447 and give us your thoughts there. Thank you for joining us and we bid you adieu until next week. You've been listening to the Reinventure Me podcast with your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi. <laughs>